In this episode, we talk Hugo Short Stories 2020, at least the first three, including talk about real politique, how much colonialism sucks, safety and actions acceptable in the defense of same, a portal to the nether realm opened in your hoo-ha, and we all learn what jute is. Welcome, storytellers. Um, okay, wait, what are we we doing here? (laughs) What do we do here? Oh, yeah, we have to think of our our intros, and then we have to start the podcast. Um, hello, storytellers, and welcome to Life Narrated, the podcast about life and the stories we tell. My name is Emily, and I have the launch codes implanted in my heart. My name's Lauren, and I'm gonna go scream at some clouds and turn into rain. And I'm Matt, and I'm a tragic sacrifice. Right, and today we're talking about Hugo Short Stories 2020. Uh, we're getting to it a little late. Um, I tried not to see which one won, but I accidentally saw, so... Um, it was hard. It was right at the top of the page. It was. Page. They I'm just like, printed it them. right there, so... I, I think it literally but, said, like, yeah. winner. Yeah, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> They had some really, some good ones. Some good ones this year. I'm not mm, going to lie. Some. Where some good ones. Some good ones. <laughs> so let's just dive right in. Did you guys rank them? Oh, like we did last I did time? rank them. Yeah. We had like a one to five scale. About each one. Yeah. So, and, and just for the sake of if anybody like gives a shit, our ranking system is based on like how much we enjoyed it, not necessarily like how, like how good um technically speaking right this we're is talking about our own, own mm-hmm. opinion yeah exactly it's a it's a personal <clears throat> opinion how much we enjoyed it so so if you disagree definitely don't email us at uh what is it matthew support at life narrated.com why would it be support why would it be support why would it be support suggestions at life narrated.com the Life narrated at life narrated.com. Emily at life narrated.com. No, at life narrated.com. Email him. Email him. Well, what the fuck is it actually, <laughs> it's though? Suggestions at life narrated.com. Definitely don't email us there if you disagree with our selections or our opinions uh, because we won't read them and we don't care. And we'll definitely be super angry. We'll not be super angry. We will take it very, it. It, it'll be like a personal offense to us if you, That's if right. you do. That's right, yeah. Okay, so uh, the first one on this particular list on Tor.com of the short stories that are nominated for the 2020 Hugo Awards is And Now His Lordship is Laughing by Shiv Ramdas. As the Last I May Know by S.L. Huang. The Blood is Another Word for Hunger by Rivers Solomon. A Catalog of Storms by Fran Wilde. Do Not Look Back, My Lion by Alex E. Harrow. Oh man, I got the hard one. <laughs> Ten excerpts from an, an a noted bibliography of the cannibal women of Ratnabar Island by Nebadita Sen. That's good. Sorry. Annotated. The annotated. What did cannibal. I say? Annotated. Yeah. Which is what it spelled. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Um, I get so nervous with certain words. Like it's like I will say it correctly in my head, but then once it has to come out of my mouth, I'm like, and most most of the time you get it right, and you're you're anxious for no reason, <laughs> except for then, except for except then. for this moment, which validates all the anxiety, one, which is actually a super, an English word, whereas other times you're nervous about foreign words, which you always almost get right. I actually did. <laughs> When I was doing my research about the authors, Mm -hmm. which I'll go ahead and start and say, like, I really appreciate this. I feel like it was this way last year where I appreciate a lot that there's, like, a lot of ladies representing. And because it's, like, five out of the six authors are women. And then I'm pretty sure it's three out of the five are not white. Mm. And mm. only one, um, Alex E. Harrow, is the only person who was nominated last year um, yeah. who was nominated again. Oh, so neat. these are people we haven't read before. What was her one last year? Uh, they were for 10,000 Doors of January. That's their their debut novel. I don't know mm. if they, they were nominated for a short story or that novel. Alex. Oh, I see. Alex Harrow. Yeah. yeah she. We read last year the... Um, the um, Mm, frick what was the name of hers it was the one about uh witches in the libraries and like portal fantasies oh, that was oh hers. i love that one yeah right. that was we all really like that one so um yeah so girl. she's the only one that i think was Ugh. on the list last year who's on the list again so i really How like that fallen alex <laughs> <laughs> matt i i'm ready to fight with you on this one anyway but we're not there yet We'll get We're there. Not there yet. So can I? Let's get yeah. there. I mean, like, what's stopping? So let's let's, let's go. Let's talk about and his and now his lordship is laughing. And I right. I want to start by like doing some background because this takes place in West Bengal, which I've actually been. I lived there for like six months, and I have been to. I've not been to Midnapur, which is where this takes place, but I've been to the town right town over, which is Bishnapur. Uh, and the, it's very similar area, so it was like interesting to come back to this area that Neat. I'd been to um, before, and it was awful because this actually happened. Yeah, Emily, the, what did you? The, what is your ranking? Let's say that, and then you go and for this one, yeah. I think it's my first. It might be my. I'm just gonna say first. I really I liked it a lot. Yeah. So for me, this was my second. But mostly because the other stories I disliked more. <laughs> I did not particularly <laughs> like the story, and the okay. other ones I liked even less. All right. Yeah. I, <laughs> so. I'm going to be honest. I had a hard time. This was awful. With it. it. Was... I, I think I put this one as my number two as well. Um, and I put it in terms of, like, my enjoyment of it. I gave it, like, a three, 3.5, because... It's yeah, just a revenge I mean, story. There's there's two different things. Like it's a good story, but it wasn't like enjoyable to read for me because yeah. I I don't enjoy horror. I also don't enjoy you know hearing about children dying mm-hmm. and like all this stuff and that and it's interesting because like the British were super super vicious to the people of Bengal and mm-hmm. to the people of Punjab and actually they were the only they were the only two groups of people who like seriously rebelled against the British and were put down really brutally and when they created the state of India they cut those two regions straight in half so Pakistan is part of Punjab and so is Punjab the state of India and then West Bengal is part of Bangladesh and 
Bangala, which is also part of Bangladesh. Wow. So they, they specifically cut it in half so they could yeah. uh, divide those peoples and, and like control yeah. them better. And in fact, Bangladesh used to be called West Pakistan or East Pakistan, but they are like, and they have a lot in common because there's a lot of Muslim people in mm-hmm. uh, Bengal and there's a lot of Muslim people in Pakistan, obviously. And there was a whole thing about, okay, all of the Muslims get out of India and just go to these other places and that's for you now, which didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But the linguistic nationalism in India is so strong that the people in East Bengal were like, we may be Muslims, but we're, we speak Bengali, we speak Bangla. And it is such an important thing to them that they're like we are not part of them we are our own thing we are bangladesh the the desh the country of the bangla people so do you want to emily do you want to talk about the um premise yeah so basically uh, if you you meet this woman probably i think it is a yeah it is a woman elderly woman who makes these dolls out of jute which is a um a fibrous plant and we usually if you encounter it nowadays it's with uh, burlap or um, rope. That's what. Yeah, I think we, like jute rugs are. Yeah. I know I've owned one. Exactly. And- yeah. And actually, I went to this place in England that was known for jam journalism and jute. And now it's like a completely different cast to me because, like, where did they get the jute? Obviously, India. <laughs> yeah. So they, she makes these dolls and um, she has this apprentice who I believe is probably her grandson, but it's never really specified who this child is to her and she really loves this child and the one of the soldiers comes the british soldiers comes up to her and tells her to make a doll for the governor's wife and she's like fuck you and he's like don't do this to yourself just do it and she's like no and it's interesting because she she's basically like what's gonna happen like she's expecting them to be civilized like and like be mm-hmm. normal human and beings, kind of respect actually... her boundaries a little bit like you yeah know, like there's a moment where she's just like why do i need you and and so she's not like afraid to like um push back yeah yeah cause i think she... it's also important to note that these dolls are like lightly magical like they do little dances and stuff and it's never explained exactly how they go about it but like, Did the first the, one do the, a magical thing? Well, so the author or the the narrator, who's the lady, specifically says like, "Oh, they're not magical," but like, they're they are magical by what we would consider magical and in like our everyday life I think, standards. I think they're magical in the sense that like she makes them to invoke something because she makes so yeah. she makes one for her grandchild. He calls it by he's like, "Oh, it's a this kind of doll," and then clarifies that it's a clapping doll. But it's like, right. is, it, yes. is the doll clapping or is it because like he's so happy and loves it so much that he's like singing and clapping? So like the and joy. she's clapping it for him or something. Yeah, yeah, so like maybe she's moving it or maybe it's that the doll is invoking this joy that makes the child like clap and sing and be excited. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like a magical realism situation where there's not overt magic happening, but like just things are magic are magical around and so she tells him to fuck off in basically you come back and she's starving to death. You find out the grandchild has already starved to death, which is awful. And that the fields are all burned and like all of these awful things. And the, the soldier comes back and he's, he talks about 
this campaign that they had, which is a real thing that they really did to people in India, where they basically took all their food to feed the British troops on uh, during, I want to say World War One. I. I don't know if it's one or two. I'm going to say one. Um, I think it's two because uh, didn't they say the uh, in, the, in the story? Yeah, they, she mentioned the the access. Yeah, like okay. you've never heard of the Axis, and we're protecting you from them, so you better be grateful. Is yeah, what I think this. I mean, says, side note: they also did this to Ireland, and that's part of the reason for the potato famine. They just basically kept on taking the potatoes that actually had grown, and people starved. So they've done the this to suck, a lot of man. people. Yeah, they super do. In India, this is the only place I've ever heard anyone say this, but you know, they say that the sun never sets on the British Empire. It's because God doesn't trust the English in the dark. Um, <laughs> which is the best comeback for that. Oh, that is man. So God doesn't trust the English in the dark. <laughs> I'm um, going to use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so she she calls him. This is one little thing that I noticed because I speak the smallest amount of Bangla, like the smallest amount. But the one one of the words that I do know is bowl, which is speak. And she calls the, the guy who's like talking at her she's like what is his name bold ball and so she's hmm. like is his name just like chatter is that it's this that's his name so i thought it was quite that's interesting uh, although his name does start with the word the letters Bolton. b-o-l yeah but so like she says do you is think it, that was intentional yes i do because okay. b-o-l is like like when you answer the phone you say bowl like speak to me uh huh, interesting okay so i think that's intentional but i think also that he, if someone who's reading it doesn't know that, it still makes sense. Yeah, right, right, yeah, you know? absolutely. But anyway, um, he's like he basically force feeds the 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 soldier force feeds this poor old woman to like keep her alive, and then he's like, "Are you gonna make the doll now?" And she's like, "Is that what you did all of this to for this doll?" And he's like, "No, no, no, we're starving you on purpose because of." the access powers you're so lucky you don't understand like we're protecting you don't worry and she's like oh fuck you and he also <laughs> in this moment he also says something about like all of india so then she has this moment of like oh so it's not just my village it's literally everywhere everyone yeah and i i have this quote that uh she was like then the rage is gone replaced by something else harder colder so alien and frightening so different from from any feeling she's ever known that it could couldn't possibly have come from her but it's inside her so like she is just beyond angry and she's like okay and so she says i'll make the doll and she makes she spends a lot of time making this doll and it's like this beautiful white woman with blue eyes spoiler alert too it's for like a grown-ass woman it's for like the governor's (laughs) wife not his like child but like he's like i want to make this doll for my wife which i find like super misogynistic on so many levels because he's like literally killing people uh for whatever you think so like i think she was in on it i mean i was about to say yeah i think she wanted wanted oh yeah but still it's like oh well she's just here and has nothing better to do so (laughs) she gets the yeah so i'm gonna threaten this woman to create a doll for her like and and basically the the soldier's offer is like i'll get food for you and whoever's left alive and, like, no one is left alive except for her. Like, her, the love of her life, her grandchild, is dead. And she has nothing else to care for. And so she's like, okay, great, I'll do that. And deci- they take her, he, she's like, 
it's a special magical doll. It will laugh, but I have to show you how to do it. So take me to the governor and I will show him. And then I'll also teach more people how to make this doll. And she convinces the soldier to take her to the governor. And when she gets there, like she walks through this opulent place. And I've actually been to this place in Calcutta. I don't know if it's the same spot, but like, you can you can tell the imperial buildings from like the other buildings. Yeah, like it is, it's very stark difference, and I can just imagine these like very finely British manicured lawns up into this like giant building. The one that I saw was like it was bright red and had like white finishes and like what are they called? Fer- filigree. Farinelle. Like, Fer- oh yeah, yeah, filigree. It's just like very Victorian, very opulent. As she walks in, there's, like, chandeliers and, like, just everything. Food. Even the butler. Like, all this is, food and, yeah. Yeah, food. And, like, the butler who's bung- uh, Bangla as well is, like, looking down on her. And then takes her to this thing where uh, where the governor is holding a party. And he's like, okay, make it laugh. And she, like, starts laughing and the doll laughs, too. And it just, like, and then everyone starts laughing, too, and they can't keep laughing and keep laughing. And you get to the point where they're like, oh, they're going to die from laughing, basically. They can't stop laughing. They beg her to stop, and she's like, nope. And just, like, <laughs> like lets why them all... ever would I? Yeah, yeah, she lets them all die from laughing. And then as she's leaving, there's, like, soldiers running in the door, and they don't leave because they're they're also hearing the doll laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh, and they laugh. And so, like, basically, yeah. where she the room that she left the doll in, like, if you walk in there, you will and hear it, you will start laughing yeah. and you won't be able you'll to start stop. laughing and you'll die. And then the the rug is covered in blood and it's real horrific. So and I think that's like important note is that like this entire story is like extremely horrific. Like uh, they describe in detail all the the distended bellies of all the uh, the starving people and like yeah. the horrors of the well, and then of the famine and then this part as well. There's like a tree that she sees where like the British soldiers were like hanging farmers who were like hiding food and then so it was like oh this is to teach you guys and then she says like and then other people who are starving decided to hang themselves because it would have been a faster death. And then the British were like, yeah. oh, we're not going to let you do that either. So then the other people were, like, cutting down the bodies of people who already died so that they could use the rope. And parents were hanging their children. And it Cannibalizing was so, it was each so other. Awful. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, if people died, they would, you know, eat them to try and yeah. stay alive. And this That's, like, why I didn't really like this story, because it was brutal as fuck, man. It was man. so brutal. The I, whole thing. And... It bugged me because, on the one hand, I had no idea about this, and I looked it up later, and I was like, wow, this shit actually kind of happened? Fuck me. So, like, I learned something, and it did the job of, like, educating me about a horrific chapter in, in, uh, you know, human history, but also, like, as a story I'm going to read for fun on my own time? Like, fuck that. (laughs) I feel like a lot of short stories fall into that category for me. It's just, like, I would not have sought this out on my own. Right, if I had known, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And specifically with Bengal, like, they they did a lot of things to just, like, demonize the uh, Bangla people. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, I think it's called, like, the Black Pit of Bengal or something. Like, literally ten soldiers died, and it's the, it was publicized to the point where, hold on, Black Pit of Calcutta, okay, of course, 
Um, yeah, it was a dungeon <laughs> where they put a bunch of troops. They didn't even, I mean, they put too many people in the small space and some of them died. I think it was like maybe three or four, but they, the, the, what is it called? Newspapers took, you know, just went crazy with it. These savage Indian people, they've killed our, our men and they, you know, they called it the black pit of Calcutta. So the black hole of Calcutta. And it's no Um, worse than like the tower of London in terms of like what's happened there or like the atrocities that might've taken place. And there was also like the tradition of thuggy, which isn't really a thing, but that's how we get the word thug. Um, But it was like this, this band of people who would strangle travelers. And this was also something that was sensationalized into like, uh, look how savage these people are. And, Anyway, I did a lot of research on this, so I'm going to stop talking, but um, West Bengal is pretty awesome. It's actually the most dangerous place in the world for elephant attacks. Like to be attacked um, really by an elephant it. or for people to attack yep. elephants? To be attacked by an elephant because the the farm is encroaching on their land so much. Like there's so much human animal interaction. I feel like that might be the most beautifully poetic way for somebody to die, though, where it's like, like, oh, they got (laughs) crushed by an elephant? elephant? Well, good. (laughs) (laughs) Also, right next to here is the Sundarbans, which is where the the Bengal tiger lives. I think it's the only habitat for the Bengal tigers. And actually, in the Sundarbans, that's the place where the tigers have learned to predate on humans. So, Oh, interesting interesting place again i'm okay with it (laughs) it's uh i really enjoyed this because it was like took me back to like being there in uh west bengal even though it was like a horrific story i yeah i i feel the same way you guys do i think in terms of like i think this was like an important story to tell um Mm -hmm. i think it's i think especially to being nominated for a hugo award it probably it had to have reached like a much wider audience. So it's like, yeah, but I, I also agree that it is, it is, I don't know if you guys do this. It's totally defense mechanism where once I start to realize like a piece of media I am consuming is going quickly downhill into a place where I do not (laughs) want to follow. I kind of like, I immediately, it's not like I shut down and stop reading it, but it's like, just (laughs) glancing over, get to the end, get to the end. And it's like, I almost become like, I I do not know how to speed read or whatever, but like, I feel like, (laughs) but you learned real fast. That's how I, that's how I felt like the whole time I was just like, "Ah, okay, okay, okay. All right, cool. Dead babies. Got it. Got it. Got it. Set them on fire. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> and now, and now she's pulling. Oh, I guess we didn't mention this at the end. She she had taken two pieces of jute and like rolled them up to make earplugs so that she didn't hear the doll. But mm. at, at one point, she takes them out, and I think she like decides to succumb to it because like, why does she want to be alive anymore? Right. Oh, is that what you thought happened? I, I thought that she was just didn't... laughing because she was laughing at, right. as she just walked murderer. off. Because she talks earlier about how dying to the sound of your murderer and laughing is the worst thing in the world. So I think that she was laughing because she murdered them and wanted them to See, I had that kind of like, oh, okay, I can come full circle now. And, like, I don't want to be here anymore because I don't have my my baby. But, like... I think, yeah, I'm not sure what happened either way. But either way, yeah. So whether or not she, like, heard the doll or didn't, 
Like I got to that point and I was like, mm-hmm, 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 cool, done, done, <laughs> done, good, yes. good, get out of here. <laughs> but but this was also one of those stories where I was like, as as I was reading it, when I came across words or things like like the type of dolls, I was like, huh, like so I would like Google, I was like googling things so I could understand the context. Because at one point she talks about, mm. oh gosh, what's the god's name? I like didn't write it down, but I did Google it. Oh, Agni, the Agni took the baby. Yeah, so she's like, I already gave him. Yeah, so I like looked that up because I was like, what does that mean? And right, yeah, so like Emily said, this is the like the the god of fire. So she was talking about like how she was able to burn him, which I'm pretty sure. I don't know if this is like a particular. It's a purification. It's a purification thing. thing that's kind of across most religions in India, right? Like most people are cremated. Yeah, so. Hinduism is kind of like a patchwork of traditions, and so some people follow different... Like, for instance, most of southern India is vegetarian for religious reasons, but that doesn't apply to the northern India Indians. But basically, you could follow any god and say that you're a Hindu because all gods are reflections of each other. Yeah. And um, so it's... Yeah, so, like, I feel like I, like I, I learned a lot about how fucking horrible colonialism was is so i also think that she was kind of like um a sacrifice like she didn't care anymore and i think that that theme of of sacrificing oneself or uh someone you know to like to be killed but for like the greater good is like very common in this year's entries yeah yeah. um and so like i think this fits that theme uh maybe less than some of the other ones but I, um, I just want to bring that up real briefly so that while we talk about the other ones, yeah. I wrote down. Remember. I wrote down. It's a lot about burning it all down for a new world order, like or not doing yeah. that. You know, the the mm-hmm. question of whether or not to do it. So I feel like that jumps us into okay. the next like story, it. though, on the, on the list, which is as the last I may know by S. L. Huang. I gave. The, I rated this one a four. This was one of my favorite ones. Um. Can you guys hear my cat? Yeah, we can. Okay, I'm gonna let. Yep. I thought it was I, my cat. Hold on, I was just I'm checking gonna go. If it was what? mine, yeah. She's just, a, <laughs> she's just being a bitch. I'm gonna let her in here because this is where her food is, but she won't eat. <laughs> oh, she okay. won't eat the food. I she, this was I ranked this one my third, but I ranked it high on my huh. my enjoyment level. I I ranked it third too, but also I would also rank it high on enjoyment. Yeah, Matt, how did you feel? I ranked this one as number one and i didn't realize we were supposed to have different ranks for enjoyment and and choices <laughs> we so weren't we weren't it's it's just ra- number one see, and for the record <laughs> i ranked all of them one through five and then when you guys were like i think this one came in third or whatever i was like Ugh, and like started writing down so <laughs> um you know but so number one for me this and one. can i spoil alert it this is the winner yeah this yes. is the one this that one actually won. won the hugo award um yeah. I think it was deserved. Uh, so this one, I, this is what the notes I wrote about it. It says it's commentary on the abusers of power is one of the notes I wrote. And then also a really sad but very focused coming of age story. So this book is about hmm. the story, sorry, not book. This short story is about a society where, um, again, kind of playing into the alternative history. They have these what are essentially like nuclear bombs. So you live in the story takes place in this country that has been the victim of like nuclear attack some 200 years prior to when the story begins. And as a result, they have created this 
like religious political uh, brotherhood of sorts whose sole intent is to basically never forget that this thing happened. And they are kind of... Well, more than that, they they want to prevent it from to ever anybody, happening again yeah. under any circumstance. See, now she's yeah. fucking crying to get out. <laughs> As is the <laughs> way. As is the way. Um, but anyway, so... So this this monastery ish. It's not called a monastery, but like this this order. Order. It's the, called yeah, the order. They right. Their their whole thing is kind of. It's like it's part remembrance and part putting in place these like barriers or like stop gaps for. Hey, okay. If you really want to use nuclear weapons on another enemy, here's how you're going to get them. So it's actually really. I, this is one of the things I enjoyed about it because it kind of lets you unfold like what it is that happens. So we're just going to kind of like cut out the mystery, but they raise children as a, they have a, some kind of democracy where a new president gets elected every however many years. And once a new president is elected, the order picks a new carrier and the carrier is a child whose like name is drawn out of a hat <clears throat> and that child then has the codes to the nuclear weapons like go button or whatever in i guess like a little capsule i'm imagining like one of those necklaces or bracelets where you like write an intention down and then you roll it up real tight and <laughs> yeah like a little capsule yeah. thing and then yeah. they implant it in the child like in their in their body, so that yeah. if the president decides at any point that he's going to nuke somebody, he has to literally like take a knife and they have like a special ceremonial knife, and then murder that child and like yeah. dig it out of them. I have I have a quote here. Do you truly wish to use such weapons so badly that you would be willing to do as the law requires and murder a child of your own land with your own hands in order to gain access to them? Which is like... Yeah, that's like basically... Yeah, the yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's... I've actually... This is not a new idea because I, I think... I want to say it's like been in a diplomatics ethics course that I took or something, but it's like a, a people have always thought about like how to prevent people from using you know, nuclear power. And this is one of those things that like, if you had to murder someone with your own hands, you're right. In order to get that power, like it would, would it stop them? The idea being that it's like, well, it's re really easy to like push a button that sends a missile thousands of miles away to kill people anonymously that you, you know, like you don't have to see those people dying. You don't have to like on one of the, one of the images that like called to me, like a sniper versus like, uh, just like a regular like infantry person so it's like a sniper has to like look through their scope and they're you know so they have this really clear picture of the person they're killing hmm. and a lot of times you know the people they're killing like they're at rest or you know what I mean they or they're at the wrong place at the wrong time so they lean against this building to catch their breath and they have to be they just happen to be in the line of sight of the sniper but the sniper of course looking directly at their face you know so they see exactly what they're doing as opposed to um like throwing a grenade randomly or so that's that's what it called to me in terms of like yeah you have to be willing to end a life with your own hands 
so that you can justify murdering thousands of people that you will never see. So the the little girl who's chosen goes and lives in the the tower, which is like I guess like the White House is like the yeah, basically yeah the main administration and, building yeah. and they teach them all, they teach them the history they teach them this like philosophy of like. 200 years ago, there was nothing here because it was all blown away and, like, everybody and everything, regardless, was gone. Isn't that horrible? We shouldn't do that to anybody else. And she's also a poet. Like, she wants to write poetry and she loves writing poetry. So she is taught, like, to not, like, impose herself or the the, the carriers. I sh- I'm, I'm using... She, because a girl was chosen, but all the carriers are taught to, like, endear yourself to the president. Like, yeah. be as human as possible. Like, sh- like get them... Have interest. Yeah. I think, I think that's, like, an yeah. important point is that, like, they're taught in the story to be... Um, they're taught the rhetoric involved in, like, talking someone down from using a nuclear yeah. weapon. So not only is it, like, difficult for someone with a knife to kill and cut out a part of another human's body, just generally speaking... But, like, to do it while they're trying to, like, logic you out of it is, like, another level Well, and of, when you uh, know they're, like, aspirations. Of real difficulty. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you're looking... Yeah, like, exactly. When they're it's like, if I don't murder people. you, you might go on to be a mother or whatever. A poet, a poet yeah. even. So she, like, she the writes... the story. She goes to the president... She gets chosen when she's 10. And she's, like, writing these little poems. So the title, as the last I may know, is a line from one of her poems that is about her... The way I interpreted the poem is, like, it's really about her being, like, in the moment and trying to enjoy things because she understands that at any time the president could call her in because their country is at war, which is something I didn't say. Their country is currently at war. So, and it's not going well for them by all accounts. And it's interesting because when uh, she first arrives at the like tower, the White House, he's like, You guys are the president says to the order, You guys are sick because you're making me kill this kid. But like, it's such a weird rhetoric because he's like, I'm trying to kill billions of people and you're making me kill this kid. So it's like, (laughs) it's such a weird because he clearly thinks that he's right. The president, he's like, I'm protecting that's funny because I didn't see it that way. I'm yeah. protecting our yeah. way of life. I saw it differently. I, I saw it like like why should I have to kill more people than I'm trying than I intend to? Like there's like even one more life is too many and like it's upsetting that I have to because of your dumb rules. Yeah, and and like both of these ways that you say it are true. Like if you're willing to kill all these people, you need to understand exactly what you're doing. But then the other way like I don't want to kill more people than I have to. This is an unnecessary death. So, like, both of those things are true. One of the things I found most fascinating about this is that um, the the girl involved, uh, she is, like, very indoctrinated in the order. So she wants, under no circumstances, for the the nuclear bombs to be used. But because she's indoctrinated in, in the order, she also believes that, like, if she should have to die for this to be for the for the nuclear bombs to be used, then like they really ought to be used. Yeah. And so like, uh, to kind of give away the ending, or towards the end, uh, whenever whenever clear exactly what happens, but her handler from the order, um, she she actually has to go to the the president character and 
uh, he's like, we're going to do it. And he's, he gets the knife. He's almost ready to like plunge it into her heart. And she, and then he can't do it. And so he sends her away and she's like sitting in her room, like freaking out and being like any moment now, he's going to come back and be like, okay, my resolve is steeled. But her handler from the order comes and is like, listen, I've got extra codes. You don't have to die. I'll get you out of here. And this is like her father figure throughout the whole book or throughout the whole story. And she's like, no, no, this is what I came here to do. And if I'm going to die for it, then, like, I better die for it. And, you know? and like, she's like, someone I'm, needs I'm, to die for it. She's like, she's like, the whole point yeah. of me being here is to make the... Actually, I think the last poem is like, you wish I wasn't here making this hard, but that's exactly, like, my job. Like, she, she sees it as, like, this is yeah. my purpose. This shouldn't be easy. This is, like, and if you... She was talking to, like, her handler, and she was just like, so you get different codes, you pick... Which means you pick a different kid. So if it's not me, it's going right. to be somebody else. But the point is to make this hard. This isn't this and isn't supposed to be like an easy decision. Yeah, and the the handler is like, no, I can just give them a code. He's like betraying everything that he's built. Right, and he is like a senior member of this yeah. order. And he's you like, don't really know in- why. Like I don't know how you guys felt about. So so skipping back a little bit, like she writes these poetry, these poems. And her her handler or whatever um, publishes them in a book of poetry and releases them so that the public is like, this girl in the tower. And I think that's what they call her. And, um, oh, and yeah. so, like, she's, she's being used by the order. You know, so it is like a propaganda maneuver where... The people are like, don't kill her. She's a, you know, she's a person and she's a beautiful poet. And like all her (laughs) poems are about like humanity and blah, 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 blah. So the president's also like, well, you're, you guys are fucking using her to your own ends as well. But her poems are about like, yeah, this is, this is scary, but I believe in this. And that's why I made the note that it's like a coming of age story because she's 10 when she gets yeah. chosen, and then she's like thirteen or fourteen when um, he's like desperate enough to attempt to retrieve the yeah. codes. Mm-hmm. So she's yeah. not at all like an adult. But she, when when her tutor or whatever she calls him comes to her and tries to give her a way out, which that was what I was saying is like I'm not really sure why he's so smitten with her. I don't like not like in a romantic way, but like. It's a fatherly thing. Yeah, like... Yeah, he's like, he raised her, basically, so, like, it makes sense. But he's just, like, overwhelmed with, like, love and concern for her and doesn't... He never wanted her to be the chosen one and tries to offer her a way out. But she, her resolve, I think, is... Well, she's made her own choice. Yeah. Like, as she... Exactly. When, he, when yeah. he offers her a way out, she there's a line that's like, this is what a, being an adult means. Yeah. Basically, like, that was the moment that I became an adult. And she's, like, she's now explaining to him why it has to be her. Like, it's not about right and wrong. It's about making it hard. Like, that's what she says yes. to him. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. line. And it's, like, yeah. I'm here to remind you of the moral cost of what you're going to do. Like, you can't escape from just, like, bombing somebody far away and just, like, calling it a day. Because I think, you know? too, the thing that I mm-hmm. also appreciated about it is, like, they're currently at war, so people are dying and getting invaded and, like, bad things are happening, but it's specifically that choice to just, like, in a matter of seconds, blow everyone and everything away. Like, the the civilians yeah. 
children wildlife you know just to eradicate that it's like if you if men want to go to war and i mean that in like the i should say like human beings like if human beings want to go to war if they are fighting each other it's usually us (laughs) even matt's like it's usually men yeah Um, yeah if they want to do (laughs) that but then bombing somewhere with like a nuclear bomb or whatever they call them i can't remember like a sear missile or something sears it's a sears and they have a pronunciation guide like the second line of the the the, that was clever uh, the story is a pronunciation guys and that's why i like this book because it was like it didn't like drag you through like unknowns the whole time no no i think that's a good point it just told you things that you needed to know yeah so it's like the option to just like blow a missile and like wipe out everything in a matter of seconds it's like that's that's something different and i i appreciated that because there's so many things like we know what atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs do and yet we still have them they still exist yeah and i'm of the opinion that like well this is leading into real life but like i don't think that they should at any point use a nuclear weapon like if they're going to be invaded that's it done like i think that it would be better to have this civilization overrun by another than to completely destroy so many people in such a Mm. brutal way but that Mm. is like a personal and it's it's like a really challenging like i like the way that this but it, it made me think about other things too where it's like well what if i was in that position and someone was trying to take away my home my religion my language which is something right kind of going back to the first story it's like that's colonialism that's like invading countries and like that's what they do (laughs) but then at the same time i'm like wow we are so wrapped up in these like identities that they themselves are man-made in terms of like you know like the boundaries of countries man-made exactly we made that up that's Mm -hmm. not real so you know like it's 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 interesting and sorry to interrupt again but like it's interesting in context of the story we just talked yes. about where like the occupying force like starved and killed thousands and thousands and thousands of the uh the occupied uh, colonized force and like so it's not just about like the random borders drawn on a map it's about like these people will probably kill and destroy and like really brutalize us if we don't do it first yeah well, but that's also the other thing I was thinking about where it's like um, in ancient times, like the great conquerors, like I, specifically thinking of these two examples, which are like Genghis Khan and um, Alexander the Great, they conquered all this territory, but they specifically were like, look, all I need you to do mm-hmm. is recognize me and like pay me money every once in a while Hell, I'll even take one of your women as a wife and make babies with her. Like, I'm all about, like, oh, no. interracial <laughs> development and, you know what I mean? Like, they and they, they seem to understand that, like, the best, I'm using air quotes that people listening won't see, but, like, the best way to, like, conquer a people is to, like, yes, you have to conquer them, which is, like, entails bloodshed, but then, like, once that's done, it's like this weird, like, dot, like show your dominance. But then also, you have to, like, if you go in there and try to change everything, yeah. they will rebel. You just leave them alone. If you go in there, and yeah, and like, and that's why Alexander and Genghis Khan 
were like worshipped as gods after they left. It was like, oh, well, fuck, if he could do that to us, he's probably a god. We'll add him into our pantheon. Sure, leave some of your soldiers behind or whatever. Yeah, so and then he moved on, right? I mean, I know I'm very it's this is very reductive. That's what yeah. it made me think about anyways, where it's like, well, if we could do it in a civilized way. In the context way. of the former story, it is kind of different. Like, it's like advising the the people to be colonized to just let someone colonize them as opposed to taking this right. ultimate right. step, which is not, you know, that's definitely not what I meant. Um, but I don't know. It th- I think it is what you meant, and I think you're a pro-colonist, <laughs> and uh, you look like a colonizer to me, so. But, like, I think part of it is just, like, there are always other ways of being, I think. And, like, even mm-hmm. though you have this thing that you have right now, like, India still exists. India is unconquerable. Like, they, they're different now than they were before. <laughs> and, they, uh, like, the, definitely the British Raj has, has like, left some scars. But they are yeah. so very unique. And they are who they are. And so it's just, like... And a big part of that is their religion, because especially in Hinduism, it's kind of like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And all you is can one. be, you can and be all a is follower many. of Jesus cool. and still be Hindu. Like, cause Jesus is in some sects considered a reincarnation of Vishnu, the, the sixth yeah. reincarnation as is Buddha. So like you, it's just like mm-hmm. India just takes everything that you throw at it. And it's like, yes, that's ours. <laughs> and like, can I say something that is like maybe... they like painted him blue and they're like, oh, you mean this guy? He's ours now, <laughs> and he's and he's better. It's like by the English way. language with uh with like words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this is a nice word. We're stealing. It's ours it. now. <laughs> yeah, um, I wanted to say something that I think is like maybe a little bit controversial, and you guys can yell at me if if it is too controversial. But like, I think what you're talking about that acquiescence to like the the flow of time and the strength of like people is like a very um like resilient trait but also one that i think a lot of of women have that men do not and i think it's very important to get along and to like function in the world but men are not really taught that or we don't uh it's not valued for us and uh women often have it and it is like shockingly important in so many circumstances. Yeah, it's it's so. very. I think that's really astute because I often feel like men specifically are are often like it has to be this way and we have to fix it. We have to make it better. Mm-hmm. We have to take it back yeah. to the way it was. And women are just like, mm-hmm. okay, but let's just deal with what we have. Like, let's just live the yes. way that we are. Let's do the best yeah, we can with what, with we, what have. we have. And yeah, absolutely. It's, and make it pretty. Make it pretty. And make it pretty. Put a bird on it if we can. And that's part of like in anthropology. They, it's like a, it's a common thing where like when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Meaning that men leave. The tough get. Oh, the men leave, and the women are <laughs> often left to their own devices. So like that is I just a common. Always took that differently. I always thought that yeah, meant like so does um, everyone else. The tough get going. I've never understood that expression when people use it. I think it there is another way to use it, but I just like when the going oh, gets tough, well, the tough gets going. That is what statistically happens in like times of war, in times of famine, the men leave. I like this. Yeah, I know, right? The now. men leave it's interesting. to go either find better pastures or find and they don't come back. 
like Sicily in the what is it 1920s all of the men came to America and just left their wives and their their grandmothers oh, and man. everything back home they just no kidding yeah. so what a paradise for time travelers that must have been <laughs> I mean lots of just a world full of women lonely widows and yeah, yeah exactly. but they and they had they were starving they had no money and you Ooh, know all of the men just great. came to America and I mean some men obviously brought their wives over or sent money back or whatever but a lot just like ghosted they're just like gone hmm. so i always took that phrase to mean that like if you're tough you get moving like you get going you you gear up you go and you go hard i think that's what it means in general but in like i in i always think logical circles it, yeah because <laughs> that is that is what happens like always Interesting. So, huh. last note on this is that I, I in my head pictured like a very futuristic Japan uh, in this, just because because hmm. they were talking about island nations attacking them and and having been attacked um, before. That makes sense. And having been attacked before, and also having a dedication to peace because Japan has no standing army, mm. as they you know promised they wouldn't. So that's interesting. I. I did start that way when I was when I was reading it, but then by the time I got towards the middle and end, I, I that kind of uh, peeled away, and I started thinking of them as European. Yeah, it's just like um, a super futuristic, so it doesn't really have a lot of trappings of like a specific culture. Yeah. So, they still have daggers. They do have daggers. <laughs> still got <laughs> knives. <laughs> what do you take? Humans everywhere at any time. What do you take into the underworld? Call back. Some kind. That's right. Take a knife. That's right. You always take a knife. Um, so the a next knife. story is Blood is Another Word for Hunger by River Solomon. As a side note before you start, River Solomon just came out with this book um, it, with David Diggs uh, called The Deep. And it's mm-hmm. about basically the the slaves who had, the people who were enslaved who were thrown overboard <sighs> during the middle passage they become mermaids and they Ooh. have a little kingdom Ooh. underwater and that's what it's about and i really want to read it okay yes cool i've heard of that it's awesome um yeah so this story um is about a a young slave girl i think she's 15 and she uh is working with this for this family she's not working for them she's a slave <laughs> she's enslaved them, to yeah. this yeah this family um and right in the beginning of the story she just Cuts them all up, kills them one after another, kills the whole family, father, mother, and that's like children. Um, the first paragraph, like it's not even yeah, a lot like of all it. of them. But uh, in so doing, she kind of like creates a dark pathway between our world and uh, the nether world, where the souls of the damned or the souls of uh, maybe not even the damned but dead uh, slaves. Yeah live after they've died it seemed almost like a purgatorium where it's just like people were killed and then just like wandered even i don't know yeah, yeah there didn't really seem to be like a moral connection to where they sure. were yeah yeah regardless they were these these uh, uh otherworldly souls living there and uh her like in- extreme brutality and and violence like rips this portal between the two worlds and so um, another little girl who uh, had died and is now living in the spirit realm uh, comes back through this portal. She she makes her way, and she does it by way of um, impregnating 
the the first girl who killed all uh, her her slave owners. Her name is Sully. If that helps, I remembered her name. Right, Sully is the the original, the first girl who kills everybody, and then Ziza is the other girl who comes back from the spirit world uh, and impregnates uh, Sully with herself. Yeah. So Ziza is impregnating Sully with with Ziza, is <laughs> and so. In very quick succession, Ziza is born uh, a fully formed human uh, at, at 16 years of age. I was going to argue with your characterization, but like honestly, it's not really clear how that happens or like what happens. It's very yeah. unclear, extremely <laughs> unclear, in fact. And like the only things that I know for sure is that Ziza's like, "Hey, I'm coming back," and and knocks up Sully somehow. Well, so and then comes out fully formed. It's like the portal has got a direct link to her womb. It's very odd yeah it's very odd and then and then ziza was like i'm gonna use my power to like shrink myself down so that i can be tiny when i'm crawling through her vagina yeah to get born yeah and And there's a lot of a lot of talk about like the anatomy involved (laughs) in this process and like cool good Um, great i so halfway through this for most of it i was like this is some delusion she had and she was pregnant by the person who enslaved her and she murdered everybody oh. and she's just like having this delusion of this friend that she doesn't know ha- she doesn't have any friends but like this baby as her friend and but then it just it kept on going and so i was like no that's not what's happening nope. here <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> that's interesting and i would have preferred that story i think and like no no that's so, not what's happening <laughs> As it continues, um, it turns out that uh, Sully's violence and, and anger has actually created a rather large hole in between the worlds, and that up to 26 other souls are able to birth themselves through her uterus yeah. in the and same way got, that Ziza so did Ziza initially. So specifically mentions that, like, the... The, the, it's like the balance so it's a balance. yeah so sully was so like intense about it i guess that they're like oh well we gotta balance this out so she kills it's like five people in total so ziza's the first of five but then um sully murders a bunch of other people so she for every person she murders because of the like hate in her heart when she does it she gives birth to somebody from the the underworld so does Sully... I, I kind of remember that they... So, anyways, there's a bunch of these enslaved people that they come out of um, of Sully initially, <laughs> uh, one way or another, and then they, they start, like, basically what is, like, a, a slave uprising, and they start killing white folk. Yeah. And, like, they're all real happy about it, and, like, the story ends. I was... Is, does Sully kill more people? I she thought it starts was, attacking it was just people. like that uprising. I think what happens is like she births the original five, and then they because there's five of them, they start to run out of supplies. So she starts to think like, well, we can't go into town because they're gonna be like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, it, it's this it's this idea of mm-hmm. like. If it was just me and Ziza, we could she sustain ourselves hands. on the farm, <laughs> but we need more. That's an awkward turn uh, around. Like, hey, I kind of figured out why I need uh, yeah. more people around so the she, farm. So they start like attacking people on the road, and so they're like stealing their supplies okay. and murdering them. But she's doing it intentionally to create an army, and then they well, use the right. they use the returned spirits to attack the town so that 
they can all live not just on the farm, but like in the adjacent village or whatever. They right, can be they safe. Can be safe yeah, so from, they're creating like, yeah, their I think own from white folk, which is reasonable. I think that's the important part is that she initially she doesn't feel safe, and so she kills the family because she mm-hmm. doesn't feel safe, and then she doesn't feel safe with this new person either. And, but eventually, she gets to a point where they're using up the the um, the resources the of the farm resources, and so she's like, she doesn't feel safe going to get more resources. So she's like, okay, I have to fix this. I have to make sure that I'm safe. And so the way that she does that is she is attacking people on the road to get more stuff. And then she's like, I have a way that I, because when she kills initially the family, she's like, I don't feel different. I don't feel safer. I don't feel better. Mm -hmm. And so she decides that, okay, we're going to take out this entire town because that way we'll be safe. And that's kind of, and then she does that and, she doesn't feel any different because it's not about, you know, I mean, she definitely for a lot of reasons needed to kill some folk, but like, (laughs) that's not what has made her safe. Like she has made herself safe by having these people around her. Well, and then there's also, that's a really good interpretation. I agree. And I also, there's a scene where she like cuts out her uterus and buries it. And yes. she so she cuts die. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. But that then was she so gets rebirth through her own uterus. So like Ziza's like, what have you done? <laughs> Just kidding. You're in the dirt next to me. It's yeah. Ziza takes the uterus and puts it in herself and reborns no, 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 re- rebirths Sully or some shit. Ziza doesn't put the uterus in herself. Cause she just the uterus does it by itself. It it births her. Honestly, at that point, I was like, "Fucking, who cares? This is bonkers." <laughs> it was a lot of like, and also she was like starting this romance with Aziza, and it's like, okay, but like, yeah, she's your daughter, kind of. But I guess is not. she very confusing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, but it was it was in the same way that the first one was kind of like a reaction to colonialism. Like, this is also a reaction to, like, um, you know, safety. They just want... She just wants to be safe. I think that's, like, a, the... Honestly, I did not like this story even a little bit until... I have it out of... I wouldn't talk about where I... But it's five out of six mm-hmm. for me. Let me see where I put it. Hold on. I was not a fan, but your interpretation, Emily, about, like, how she, she seeks safety through violence and then it just doesn't, doesn't help. produce yeah. safety... Yeah, mine is um, five out of is, six. Is also. an interesting, <laughs> is an interesting interpretation, and I think I like it a little bit better, but still not enough to bump it up to four. I <laughs> see. I I had it as like, I had it as like my fourth spot, but I also had it as like my, uh, like a rank of four because I did enjoy reading it because I thought it was like a really interesting. I thought it was an interesting concept of like because I think we've heard things. Like, it's, it's not necessarily, like, unheard of. I don't want to say it's, like, it's a classic trope, but it's not unheard of that, like, anger... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the birthing of the souls of the <laughs> but, dead, like, yeah. But that, like, classic. But that, like, anger and violence, like, tears a rift that m- demands balance yes. to be restored. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where mm-hmm. I saw it, where it was just, like, she's so consumed. Again, totally justified and understandable, but she is so consumed by the rage and the violence that was like done to her in her life that that's what she becomes. So I appreciated the fact that the, to me, in my mind, the balance being restored is like Ziza who it's like, you don't really know what happened to her. You know, she died 
like 200 some years ago because she talks about wandering through the underworld for 200 years. So like Ziza died like long before. So like probably I feel like the context implies that she was also like enslaved, uh, an enslaved person. But but you don't know. It doesn't say explicitly. However, she is so joyful and appreciates life and simple pleasures yeah. and she loves loves Sully and and sees her as like her god because she literally like brought her back to life so that she could value these things so like I saw it as that was like the balance of like Sully is she is she's broken by her like rage and her hate and again it doesn't necessarily matter that those things are justified because it's it doesn't like like Emily was saying, it's like she doesn't feel safe, she doesn't feel different, she doesn't feel free, literally or mm-hmm. figuratively. But but she is able to put out, like literally birth out people who are beautiful and wonderful and restore oh. that balance. Oh, that's so interesting. And that's kind of how I interpret it. But I really like Emily's interpretation. I don't think they're necessary. I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they fit yeah. together. That's actually really good. So from that perspective, I actually am m- impressed with the tale. <sighs> this is a thing for me. Like, it's just got all this weird shit it, all over it. it. And, like, the story is good. Like, if, if that was the point you were trying to make, bring that to the fore so that I can see it initially. And, and I'm, I'm maybe an unsophisticated reader, but, like, fuck No, me, there's man. a lot of weird shit going on here. That is... You fucking cut out a uterus, and I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> this is dumb as shit. But, like, it makes a lot of good points when you... In- I agree with you, though. When she's like, I'm gonna cut out my uterus and bury it. I was like, why? Yeah, that was weird. Why? Was why like, you do this? But why? But why? <laughs> as somebody with a uterus, and, I'm like, well, and like, uh-huh. And, like, there's a lot of... So there's a lot of trauma with, like, enslaved people and, like having birth mm, because mm. a lot of enslaved people yes. just were forced to have birth and then their children were taken from them and sold. Like for instance, yeah. I didn't know this, but did you know that Sally Hemings was actually Thomas Jefferson's wife's sister? Like let that percolate for a second. I don't know anything about so, I don't even know anything about that. Yeah, all those words are kind of so like Sally Hemings, I know what they who mean, is Thomas but... Jefferson's famous mistress, who may or may not have mm-hmm. consented, was mm-hmm. his wife's sister. So his Mm-hmm. So his wife, whose name I don't remember, nobody remembers her. The wife's the wife's father uh, raped a slave and had this girl who was also a slave who went to this new house with her sister mm. Mm. and then was raped by the sister's husband. So it's like this generational thing that's just like sure, it's perpetuating, and so. Even having children for a slave is like not, it makes you more vulnerable because now you have this child who can be used to hurt you and who you now have to watch be a slave as well. And so she doesn't feel right. safe until she builds this family that can protect itself. Mm. Like we keep us safe, you know? Yeah. Not only that, but like we keep us safe and also like we can make our lives better. And like the people who came before us are doing the work now to make our lives happy in the future or make not my life, but like the, uh, my descendants mm-hmm. lives happy. Mm-hmm. Like the work I'm doing now against this oppression will make live life better for my children and their children. Yeah. And I don't think I'll ever be happy. And like Sully never actually recovers, but Ziza is just like from day one, happy as, 
as a clam. Happy and AF. I have to say that I really thought this was going to take like a Rosemary Baby's turn. Like it just like <laughs> right. I thought so too. She's coming. Like there's another world pocket in your hoo ha, and something comes out that's fully grown, <laughs> and we're just cool. Like she's a perfectly delightful human being. So like, <laughs> that thing's not a demon, but apparently it's not. A not demon. In this case, this was a totally different story than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Same. <laughs> and that's why women traditionally don't murder people ever, ever, ever. <laughs> because then that's we're right, pregnant. You don't want demon children. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. That's how you get know demon children. Kind of spirit children. I'd have exactly. We're gonna stop here, storytellers, and I'll release the discussion on the remaining three stories once they're cut. It won't be a month, I promise. Probably. It was just too good a discussion to cut short. Thanks for listening, storytellers. Remember. Don't be a tropey dope, seek vengeance upon your enemies, and keep telling your stories.